You're listening to the Longbox Crusade podcast, episode 32, featuring Battle Chasers, number one, cover dated April 1998. Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Longbox Crusade. I'm your host, Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. The Longbox Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from one of the Longbox Crusade crew members' comic collection. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of that time period. Joining me for this episode is... Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the RSL Artist, a.k.a. Death Pro, sometimes known as Hot Nuts. Hello, Jared. How are hey, you? Hey, I'm happy to be back on an official Longbox episode. I have nothing clever, no bits at all. Something, that's, something that's... werewolf, I get. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you could have said, I had a bit, but it's going to take 16 months to put it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a demands a, a lot of knowledge about the the publication of Battle Chasers joke, but uh, I like it. I like it. I'll take it. Good job, Jared. That was a hilarious joke. We will move on to the founder of the Long Box Crusade. His name is Pat Sampson. We call him DJ Christatos. Pat, hello. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm I'm making it, man. I'm making it. I know you're you're a trooper. You're a true trooper, Delvin. Yes, sir. I'm doing all right. I'm uh, just wondering. For this battle chasers, um, can I get like a beer as the chaser? It really has beer as a chaser. You usually like have something like less like alcoholic, a, you know, right? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking wrong show, here. wrong show. We're on the wrong. Never mind. <laughs> Am I missing the joke? You know, two twenty one B, where you know, and pipes and that stuff that I do. You know, I'm reaching, I'm <laughs> branching out here. <laughs> Okay, before we get uh, shuttled off by the FCC. uh, That's the best bit I had, so I'm sorry. I'm out of bits, too. We seem bereft of bits today. What is going on? Is it it the comic that I chose? Is that it? Jared shrugging? That's okay. Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht is going to come through with a bit that's going to blow everyone away. I am ready for it. Jason, the floor is yours. My bit is in this box. Hmm. It's Everybody's been. Box. I got it's my bit in the box. box. Step one, I got a box. <laughs> Step two, put my bit <laughs> in the box. Got you. Now How I big got, is that box? Now I got it's the wolves coming box. after my bits in the box. <laughs> and I will reveal my bit at the end of the episode. You see, Jason. I'm getting his gloves, man. I got gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I'm, I'm wise enough to know when a gift needs giving. 
<laughs> so I'm glad that you have something for us. That, that's nice. And you did come through. Thank you very much, Jason. I, I feel much, much vindication off of that bit alone. And oh, yeah, this is Longbox Crusade. So I have to go back around and ask everyone what the current crusade, but the challenge that we have given ourselves now is we only have 10 words or less to describe what our crusade is. So I'll go with Pat this time. Pat, oh, current Pat. crusade, 10 words or less. Damn, go. Changing that around really got me now. <laughs> My current bit, now that it's the new year, we're recording this early January. So I've been working on my... Okay, I went overboard here. I want to eat better to get my numbers down and I want to start walking more. So that's my bit. Yep, keep counting. <laughs> I'm new at this. Usually it's I'm asking the, the 10 anyway. word. <laughs> I'm done. Bye. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, Jared, what is your crusade? Ten words or less, dude. Get this nonfiction James Bond book rolling. Because you guys know I did the... uh, That's the end. Now I get to expand. You guys know I did the documentary and the video games of James Bond. I'm turning that into a book. And uh, I'm excited to get that rolling. So that's going to be my crusade. So by the next time we record a Longbox Crusade, you guys can check in on me and see... Uh, how many entries I've got written so far. Hold me accountable. I mean, I tried to hold you accountable for 10 words or less. You see how that works. Let let me go on a bit, okay? This is how I want to set the whole thing up. In fact, I'll talk about that on mute while you go to Jason. So the first thing you got to remember is... Yeah, Jason, 10 words or less. I mean, you know what? You've been holding up this show so far. You gave us a funny bit. So if you go under 10 words and stick to it, you are a king for this podcast go get this comic book project with my brother done son M- <laughs> well, let me to expand on the project that he's talking about no <laughs> damn it all right well back to the bond thing here's how i envision the page layout <laughs> So I think if I lower my carb ratio down and <laughs> what I'm eating, uh, with a exercise, you know, the my BP, my B, you know, will come down. You see, this maybe is, next this is time. Step one is when to start I run the show. Walking. This, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Since no one asked me, I'll go ahead and give mine seventy-five hard challenge. Look it up. See, bam. Yeah, fellas, that's how you do it. Just like that. Which is even funnier if you know some of the difficulties that it took for us to get to this point. But I digress. We invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Longbox Crusade. We hope you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with the episode issue review, let's take a quick podcast promo break. We will be right back. Hey, folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. 
Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the Give and Take Library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is supportourtroops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, Make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting a Comics for Courage initiative. That website again is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back from the break. Today's adventure from the Longbox is... Battle Chasers, number one, cover dated April 1998. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. The comic, Battle Chasers, the publisher image. The imprint is Wildstorm, even though it has cliffhanger on the cover. I'll let y'all figure that out. Cover date is April 1998. On sale date, April 15th, 1998. Cover price was $2.50. The editor was Scott Dunbeer. The writer and penciler was Joe Majerira. The writer was Munier Sharif. The inker was Tom McWeeny. Letterer is Richard Starkings. The colorist was Christian Littner and Aaron Lucen. This book was also reprinted in Battle Chasers, A Gathering of Heroes hardcover from 1999, and Battle Chasers, A Gathering of Heroes trade paperback from 2000. The cover credits go to Joe Majerira and Tom McWeeny, and Jared is going to describe the cover. 
<laughs> McQueen. <laughs> can can nah. I get that in a combo meal or something like that? Depends on what combo you're Mc, looking for. McQueen. Uh, yeah, I see what he's doing. McDonald's <laughs> jokes. McDonald's well, jokes. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, folks. Uh, let me start off by saying I understand there were multiple covers for issue number one. But it seems that the most common one, or at least the one most website to use, is the wraparound done by Joe Mad himself. So that's the one I'm going to use for the description. And here we go. Whew, the eye doesn't even know where to begin to look. This cover is cramped, which is especially amazing considering there's no Battle Chasers title on the cover. Okay, to be fair, the title and its unique Firebrand font is on the back portion of the wraparound. The main front cover is packed with characters that I have to assume are Link from Legend of Zelda, Eric, the kind of jerk on the old 1983 Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, uh, Mega Man's Dr. Wily, the Iron Giant, and 2000s era pop star Pink. The back... <laughs> Couldn't get through my own joke. <laughs> the back cover adds some kind of a werewolf. And that's all I have to say about that. That's your cover. Nice. I mean, if you remember Pink's song later on, na 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 na, I'm gonna get in a battle, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. <how> <laughs> all right. You know what? Riffing and making jokes. Uh, you said this came out in '98, and then there was like a Gathering of Heroes hardcover in '99. How do you hardcover like two issues? <laughs> Look, beats me. I mean, that's almost like Snow coming up with Informer, and then like the next year coming up with like the greatest hits. (laughs) Here's the Informer house mix. Here's the Informer dubstep mix. Yeah, version. I I don't know. I don't know. Lots of mysteries abound. Uh, Jared, we'll go back to you, man. What do you think about the cover, uh, the art, all that stuff? Well, Joe Matt has a real distinct style, and he'll always be known for it. I think he's a great artist, but again, I I go back to my cover description. I think this is just an overly crowded, your eye doesn't know where to go, and how you get overly crowded on a wraparound, you have twice the space, and it's still like, I don't know where to look. It's beautifully drawn. Um, I think it's Lichner on the colors. Man, he's he's killing it, but like, there's just not a balance. There's It, it doesn't really tell a tale. I'm not trying to even say that it's a bad cover. It's just, um, it's too busy. It's just a little it's, too busy. It's, it's well-drawn business. You know, it's the 90s towards the end of the cover. Go ahead, definitely back. Look, one. Yeah, it definitely looks great art-wise. But when I look at this, I'm like, yeah, this is like somebody that had some 90s flair and style to it. And as we get into the issue as well, too. But I like it, you know. I'm a sucker for sword and sorcery. So mm-hmm. when I saw this, I'm like... Oh, yeah, this might be a good one. This might be, you know, to me, I'm looking at, oh, this might be like Warlands. That's exactly what I thought when I started yeah. reading it, too. I was like, Pat's going to dig this because it reminds me of Warlands. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like Jarek's cover description of Link and Eric from. <laughs> <laughs> proud of it. Jason, what do you got? Yeah, I kind of agree with Jared on this one. I think I'm thinking back to a lot of like G.I. Joe wraparound covers that we've looked at that had more characters on them, but seemed to be better organized. I will say out of the gate that, although I'm not a hater of Joe Mad stuff, I'm not as enamored with it as some of the others. I was much more into like the, uh, I think it was Pat Lee that was doing the Warlands, the Warlands stuff. I, I was gravitating more towards that. I think that 
there's a lot of enthusiasm here initially out of the gate. And I think that's kind of the theme of the comic in and of itself. There's somebody that had a lot of great ideas and just had to get them up here on this wraparound cover and a lot of great ideas and wanted to tell the story and then went off and did something else. And I think this cover kind of encapsulates that theme a little bit. If I had to guess, I would guess that this cover took days to finish. Like, and I'm talking about just the pencils alone. It seemed like it's something that took a while. It seemed like something that was a labor of love. Joe Matt definitely has its style. And was it popular in 1998, the late 90s? He came on to Uncanny X-Men. And yeah, it was like it was like the new Jim Lee. Really was. I mean, of course, X-Men at the time, man, they stayed with just these awesome artists. But Joe Matt was just, he popped. It really did pop. And led to stuff like this to where, like, I mean, it is a beautiful looking cover. I absolutely understand where you guys are coming from with your opinions. I have no disagreement with any of it. I do think it's beautiful. I don't necessarily know if it's telling a story or not. I definitely think it's a risk not having the title of the book, especially in issue one on the main page of that wraparound. I think that's a big risk. Yeah. Um, but it was so popular that I guess you didn't need it. But still, in hindsight, may have been a little bit of better marketing to put that on the front. Because right now, if you looked at it, you might think the title of the series was Cliffhanger. And that's kind of interesting. I think it's important to remember, though, too, that at this time, this period of time in comic book collecting was one where there were a lot of adult and young adult readers that were getting back into comics. You know, 90s was a big time when people were picking up comics. Wizard Magazine was out and Wizard Magazine was plugging the heck out of this book, as I recall. So I think it's one of those things where Joe Mad's name and the anticipation for this book kind of made it so you didn't necessarily need the Battle Chasers logo on the front of it. People were just hyped for this book coming out of the gate, as I recall. I was part of that crowd as well. I, I scarfed up the first couple issues when they came out. Me too, absolutely. Fellas, do y'all have anything else before I get to the synopsis? I'm seeing shaking heads, so we're about to hear the synopsis. This book is the most dangerous game. Looks like Gully is in a world of trouble. Her family, as she knows it, was killed by werewolves who are after this box owned by her father, Aramis, that was bound by magic and they would stop at nothing to get it. As they are closing in, she is saved by Calabretto, a mechanical war golem who is friends with Nolan, a wizard. The one surviving wolf from the battle goes to an unknown villain yet to be revealed, and Nolan unlocks the magic box to uncover the magic gauntlets of Aramis. There's also a vignette with a fallen warrior, Garrison, who is approached by Red Monica to enlist in a mission that he didn't really seem interested in pursuing because he would rather get drunk. 
That's issue one, y'all. What do you think about the story? We will start with Jason. As I read this, I kind of came in with low expectations because I think I remember it vaguely from when I initially read it and being disappointed because the book just kind of stopped abruptly. But as I read this issue, I was like, this is really kind of a good story and it's a good opener. It did a good job of introducing the characters. There was a lot of tension. There was action. There was mystery in there because I wanted to know what was in that box, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And as far as the story goes, just looking at it as a first issue, I thought it was pretty doggone good. Nice. Let's go to Pat. I'm going to agree with Jason on this one. I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but once I started reading it and understanding the world that was kind of being built and the characters that were being brought in, it really put me back into my Warland times with this, that I'm like, okay, I can dig this book, you know. Uh, as I mentioned before, I am really was digging this kind of a stuff and the that storytelling that's happening here. So I really liked it. I, I want to read more. So I can't remember how many more issues did you say it had? There were nine Is issues total oh, okay. of Battle Chasers uh, in its original run. It looks like doing a little bit of digging that uh, Joe Matt did a crowd, excuse me, um, GoFundMe for okay. a 10th book that kind of wrapped up because issue nine ended on a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. But I didn't really see much after that. That was like 2017. Who knows? If he started okay. drawing and he's probably up with Jared's raising his hand. I did a little digging myself and I read somewhere that he shared some pages from the 10th issue uh, I want to say it was in this past year during 2021 at some time that he actually shared online some unlettered pages. So I guess there is progress. Okay. Such as it is. Go ahead, Pat. Again, I'm a sucker for these kind of stories. So I was definitely pulled in. And when I looked at the book, I'm like, okay, 30 some pages, got a flip, flip, flip. But I kept reading it and reading it. And I kept my attention and I wanted to know more. Cool. So we got some positive reviews so far about the story and stuff. Jared, are you going to jump on the positive train toot toot? I will. I'm probably, of the four of us, the least positive, but I'm still positive. Like, I liked it. Uh, You know, I had werewolves in it, much like Hamilton versus Burrow Werewolf Tale, which is available at (laughs) DRTLRS.com. All right. But no, I had werewolves and I had like a mechanized robot warrior and... You know, just enough wackiness. You know, I like that kind of mix of wackiness in there. Just enough of that mix of wackiness to make it interesting. Kind of like Jason said, though, it it, it kind of smacks of the cover a little bit in its, um, I don't know, fervor to tell the story. Like, if I was writing that story, I would make you wonder what's in that box for a good two to three issues. Mm-hmm. Um, revealing it at the end, is like, it's gloves. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know what that means. They're, they're called gauntlets. Care. Oh, yeah, gauntlets. I'm sorry. Gauntlet. I'm sorry. I thought they were like the Thanos gloves. Yeah. yeah. The gauntlets. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I let everybody down. <laughs> Especially Pat. Keep going. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's a plus two to uh, charisma. <laughs> of course it is. That's plus one to all my physical attributes. <laughs> of course it is. Um, so, anyway, that that's my overall flavor now. I think it had a good mood, it had interesting characters, a decent build for an issue one, enough to keep me interested enough to check out too. So that's my feeling on it. 
I would have to say, too, I really like how he was naming people. Their names kind of match who they are. Like Nolan, he's a wizardy kind of guy, so he probably knows a lot. Mm-hmm. Very interesting character building. Yeah, I would say it's a pretty good table setter. I can see why people would be excited about it, because the sword and sorcery fantasy stuff, is that's to me, it's always a good play. And then you've got a megastar artist on, on board, and it looks like it was the promise of something that was pretty good. And speaking of that megastar artist, what about the art? Uh, we can start with Jared this time, since he's our resident artist. What did Jared think about the art for the book? Well, Joe Matt's got that distinctive style. It actually kind of does feel, I made a Legend of Zelda joke earlier, but it does kind of feel like some of the styles I've seen Legend of Zelda art in in the past. Uh, it definitely is compelling. He's 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 linked up with the right anchor and the right colorist. It all really comes together well. I would definitely say the interior art was superior to the cover. Like, like Jason said, it was an over-eager cover, and it was a little bit better with more breathing room with his characters on the inside. So, I mean, I liked his layouts. I liked the way the panels flowed. Uh, really impressed with the inks and the colors on top of his, you know, easily identifiable pencils because they are so stand out and unique. Whether his style is for you or not is, you know, up for debate, but you, you can't deny he's got style. Absolutely. Jason. Yeah, I think by now most comic book fans are familiar with that Joe Mad style. And he definitely, that style played well in this book. I didn't have a hard time discerning what was happening in the action scene. Some of the pages that really stood out to me was the when we see the introduction of the war golem. I thought that that was a really striking image when we saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that's a really nice kind of juxtaposition between the sword and sorcery stuff. Now you're kind of introducing a little steampunk in there too, mm-hmm. kind of mixing that in. So I, I really liked his mix of flavors in there so yeah i thought the art was really good i don't know did lickner do the interiors as well on that let me let me crack open the book yeah liquid is it liquid comic craft liquid graphics yeah they liquid they got credit for the cover but decided it had christian lickner and aaron lucen highlighted as two artists from liquid those two were popping I mean, the colors in this book, I think, were what really stood out to me. And no disrespect to Joe Mad's pencils, but the colors really made it pop. The nighttime battle with the golem, uh, the war golem in the woods against the werewolves with the lightning. Just, Mm -hmm. it was just gorgeously colored. So, lots of props there for the art of the book for me. Pat, keep it going. Oh, definitely. What can I say about the art? It's very, very well done. I think that the art is definitely the star of this issue. And so how he writing it, it's definitely, you can tell a lot by the art and the panels that are going and how that portrays the story along and moves it along. You know, even without some of the words, I'd still understand what was happening in the story. And that's a great thing. Nobody has said anything about the letterer. Man, some of those letters with the the sound effects that are happening too really helped me just feel this issue that was happening. I haven't really seen a lot of other Joe Mad stuff. So you guys said he was on X-Men in that. I think this is when I was kind of out for a while. So not really sure what other stuff he did. So this would be a guy I would pick up, definitely. 
Yeah, he did Uncanny X-Men. And I remember, I think he was on there as of Uncanny X-Men 350. And sure enough, Uncanny X-Men at first uh, had some delays and they had to get a guest penciler in there to fill in for when Joe Matt couldn't do the book, which was definitely a foreshadow. But Because if you got a book like Uncanny X-Men, that's got to come out once a month. That's an amazing Spidey book, especially during the 90s. You've got yeah. to have that book coming out on time yeah, so tough. people can pick it up. I don't really have anything else to add uh, that you guys didn't already. It, it was definitely fantastic work. What Pat has some more stuff. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you can definitely tell it's a labor of love for him in this. And if it's going to take you that long to do, it's not because you, you don't like doing it. It's also because you love it so much that you're so detailed in, in what you're doing that it's prolonging it to come out and all that, which is, you know, can be, like you said, can be a bad thing because it's supposed to come out every month. And, you know, you can tell this guy's definitely into the detail. I'll definitely say it's a blessing and a curse. Like I remember I was big into three year, three or four years later, Ultimate Spider-Man came out and it was Bendis and Bagley. And after a little bit, I remember, I think Bendis came out and was like, yeah, you know, we're kind of feeling like a little shackled with this 12 issues thing. So we're going to do 18 a year. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're doing more issues? And, and the artwork stayed just about the same. And it was phenomenal. And sometimes it goes the opposite way. Sometimes you just have those pencilers and art teams and they want to painstakingly go over everything. And, and who knows the reasons why? Maybe it's just that they are just such perfectionists. Maybe it's just because they want just the best version of themselves to hit the page so that everyone can appreciate the effort that they put into it. Who knows? And I'll actually pass that around just really quick to ask. Guys, what do you think? Like, I, and I think I know the answer, but I still want to hear it. Like, would you rather have that artist that takes a little bit longer than normal and comes out of the book, say, once every 45 days, once every 60 days? Or do you want that once every 30 days artist, no matter what? Jared? Oof, tough question. As I think back over artists that just continually impressed me, I guess I'm forced to say I'd rather have a speedy, consistent artist, a Sal Bushima or a Norm Brayfogle or a... Um, Mark Bagley. <laughs> Mark Bagley or uh Pat help me out. Who's uh never mind, I got Herb Trimpy, the Yardstale <laughs> artist. <laughs> no, I'm slow as shit. <laughs> oh, like oh I'm sorry if I I, I like those guys. I like those like workmen like Herb Trimpy, Salbushimi, you know, guys are just cranking it out with a neat and unique style that just goes. I don't like waiting on artists for a book. I like a regular storytelling. Now I guess if it was something that if they advertise that in advance saying, hey, we're going to, you know, yeah. it, Alex Ross, because he's painting everything is going to take, you know, an issue a quarter, then I'd be OK. So that's my weird and wishy-washy answer. And I'll pass it to Jason. Yeah, I think for me, generally speaking, I'd rather have the consistent artist on a book, if particularly if it's a monthly comic. You have to be able, Delvin, like you said, to churn that out. And that means sometimes you have to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Now, I remember when Jim Lee came back to do the Hush series on Batman, 
the regular title. And I thought what DC did was smart because Jim Lee said, hey, I want to draw these in 12 issues and blah, blah, blah. And, And they said, great, give me the first six, right? And when you're done with the first six, that's when we'll start this title because they knew we've got to have this book come out sequentially. And we'll tell this in a 12-issue arc, but they've got to come out on time. And so I think that that's important. And that's what's missing on this book, I think. That's the difference between a good comic and a good idea, right? Is do you have the moxie, the discipline, the preparation in place to drop this book sequentially and tell your story in a way that you're not going to lose your artists. I think this is what was wrong with image comics coming out of the gate. Cause you had all these artists that were like, ah, oh, we're being shackled. We have no character control, no creative control. And they they had points, you know, and we want to start our own series. Great. But you don't have the writing discipline or the editing discipline. And pretty soon, you know, we saw it with Wildcats, Jim Lee and Wildcats. It's like, here's one, two, three, uh, four's a little late, five's a little later. And, you know, and it just get it snowballs down the line. And that happened on several of the titles. So that's my long-winded answer. I think that having ultra talent is great on books, but know the limitations, plan it so that you you give the, the artists the time that they need to do the job, but hold them accountable and get it done. That's kind of my long-winded answer. Sorry about that. Pat? I, you know, I think Jared and Jason kind of said the most is I will take the art and the story if you told me every, you know, every month and a half you're going to get an issue. Okay, I'm cool with that. You know, you, you tell me up front what's going to happen, then I'll be all right with that because I know I'm going to get quality art. I'm going to get a quality story at the same time. I think given the choice, I would rather have that 30-day artist. I remember Civil War when it came out. There was a lot of fanfare. People were super excited about it. They put Steve McNiven on it as the artist. His artwork is fantastic. And yet Civil War was supposed to be in out six months. And that took like nine, 10, 11 months and got stretched out because they were waiting on Steve's artwork to come in. And it was kind of like, Not only was it impacting Civil War, it was impacting literally the entire Marvel Universe because they're having to wait on Steve's pencils. And you can't do that. You know, the the old saying is one monkey can't stop the show. And and that's kind of it. I, I also like what Jason said about just perfect being the enemy of good. You've got to kind of just get that breaking point to where you're like, okay, yep, this is going to have to be good enough, especially if it's going to delay everyone else's hard work and efforts in everything else. Thanks for indulging me in that, guys. Jared, it's your turn to ask your very famous song, Box Crusade question. All right, boys, if you met Joe Mad at a comic convention, he had all the original pages to Battle Chasers, and he saw you guys and said, hey, guys from... The Long Box Crusade. This is Joe Maddox. Slow joke. Uh, (laughs) Hey-o. And he offered you up a page from this book. What page are you taking? I already know which one I'm going to take, but we'll pass around. We'll start with DJ Christatos. 
you know, there are so many good pages in here, but I'm going to take the page where you have Gully kind of running through the woods and then she turns around and gasps and then there's a rawr and you have the werewolf just coming down on her. What's the noise again? Nice, nice, nice. What would it sound like in reverse? (laughs) Fair enough. All right, good, good. I really like that one. Excellent. Jason? I'm taking that full page of the War Golem. I thought that just looked really cool. Well, much like action film face-off, match game, because I also want the War Golem (laughs) page. Uh, That one was pretty cool. And that leaves Delvin. It's tough. It's either the War Golem one or it's page two or three from the comic book where Gully is running and she just looks terrified. Both of those Mm -hmm. are good. If I had to choose, I'm probably going to go with the robot because that was a very good splash page. But a honorable mention as well as the last page where Gully is looking up at the gauntlets and the gauntlets are kind of floating in the air like the adventure or link or whatever. Like, yeah. (laughs) So that that, that was a cool page too. And then the gauntlet Uh, said... uh, Red Wizard needs food badly. He <laughs> got it. I got one guy. Oh, yeah. Man, oh, yeah, the yeah, quarters yeah. I put in a gauntlet. Oh, man. man. <laughs> Come on, son. <laughs> I wanted to mention as well, because I, I just happened to, to do my searching, and Image Comics offers Battle Chasers 1 online digitally for free. All right, y'all. And with April 1998 firmly etched into your minds right now, does this comic book or does that time era bring back any memories? I'm, I'm going to go to our reminisce guy. I know Jason's got a memory ready to go. Oh, gosh. I think 98, I was just getting back from Korea, starting uh, my assignment in Atlanta. So 98, That's I mean, there's a lot of great comic book things from that time now that I think about. I think it's one of the first times we went to WizardCon. As a matter of fact, I think I got a Wizard Edition of battle chasers at that convention. Uh, so that sticks in mind. Uh, we saw Alex Ross. That was really cool. And then, of course, the book nook. Of course, Jared remembers the book nook. We would go and, you know, for a lot, I think it was like 10 bucks. You get a long box and you could fill a long box up full of comics. It's great. So, yeah, lots of memories from 98. Lots of great comic book memories. Noise, noise. Pat, what do you got? What are your memories? You know, I think this is a time where I am DJing still, but it's starting to to slow down as I get settled in to, you know, start a new family, just moving in with my soon-to-be wife and all kinds of uh, things at the time. Uh, My daughter will be born in another year. I call it love, they call it living in sin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, but... You know, it, changing of Pat's life at this time, uh, uh, moving forward. And, and, and like I said, I think at this time, I uh, wasn't doing a heavy, a lot of collecting just because I was, you know, moving out, trying to make it on my way, make it on my own. And so I had, you had to cut the, cut the tie somewhere. And that's where I did it for a while. Nice. Jared, what you got? Well, as you know, Delvin, 1998 pretty much is my junior year of college at Auburn University. I've actually just gotten back into comics because you got me back (laughs) in the comics based off of a conversation we had while waiting in line for the Batman ride at Six Flags Over Georgia. 
Um, I didn't get caught up into the Battle Chasers thing, though, ever. This is my first ever read of a Battle Chasers. Uh, first read, fellas. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, you know, at this point, I'm really just kind of getting into really the Bat books and the Spider books are sort of the core of, of what I'm reading. And just uh, just a, a good time, you know. It's what, April of 98, so, you know, field trading's behind us. We're into that the most breezy fun time of that Auburn Air Force ROTC has to offer. The hard part's over. You're into your, your major for your classes and things are pretty fun. So yeah, good times, man. Good times. Coming back into comics with my best friend, Delvin, who we're still talking about this stuff. 20 <laughs> something years later. So 1998 in April of 98, I was turning 21. Yeah, it's true. Oh, so I have a pretty good story then. I, I was turning 21 and went to Arnold Air Society. We had whatever that big convention was, and it was in Atlanta. I remember that. That was actually a lot of that was a lot of fun. And so what I did is like whatever wherever we went out, I told any girl that it was my 21st birthday and could I get a kiss on the cheek? And I was relatively Ooh. successful. Uh, with with the kids on cheek, and then there was some girl I can't remember her name or whatever, but like she planted one on me, and I was like really really cool. But like I saw her the next day, and then she was like, I don't remember who you are. And then Johanna, like being you know supportive in her own way, but if not at all supportive, was like, oh, she doesn't remember you. <laughs> that sounds like her. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Yeah. It's like in her head, I was, she was being helpful. In my head, I was going like, "Ew!" <laughs> hey, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but that was that turned out to be a very very fun twenty first birthday in the Buckhead region of Atlanta. I just thought of that. That's cool. So yeah, ninety eight was a pretty good time, and if we were leading into nineteen ninety nine, my senior year, that was the funnest year I had in Auburn by far. But ninety eight. And any year at Auburn, for that matter. It's pretty dang cool. That brings us to the end of this part of the show. Got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. You can call us and leave a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up we will be right back. Imagine a state where reality is a dangerous concept, where every aspect of public and private life is strictly controlled, where the voice of the state is the only voice and the only limits are that of the imagination. And even that is gone. Imagine a state where memories are wiped away, leaving only traces of the past where the final frontier of space becomes a weightless freezing vacuum, except for what is useful to the state. A great intergalactic state of hundreds of planets that stretches across the universe called the Federation. And imagine all that stands in the way of total conquest is a tiny band of thieves, smugglers, embezzlers, murderers, and rebel rousers. Are they criminals or liberators? Reality is a dangerous concept, but everyone interprets it in a slightly different way in Blake 7. Welcome everyone to Straight Out of the Federation. 
You can listen to this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write to us on Twitter at SO Federation, or the website, blake7.libson.com. Email us at writeonnetwork at gmail.com. That is W-R-I-G-H-T on network at gmail.com. Take care, everyone. Welcome back from the break. Let's continue with the show. Now is the time to scan through the featured issue of Battle Chasers number one for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. Here are the ads that stand out to us in this issue. The script says Jared goes first. So, Jared, you should go first. What ad stood out to you in Battle Chasers 1? Well, uh, we are... I say this every time, no matter whether we're in the late 80s all the way to this point. It's all video games. Yeah. <laughs> Still, there's a lot of video game ads. Yeah. And so I'm going to pick a game that catches a lot of crap but isn't terrible. And I'm talking about Batman and Robin on PlayStation 1. Is it a great game? No, it's not. It's not a great game. Is it a halfway decent game? Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It's more layered than a lot of your typical PlayStation 1 games. I distinctly remember there's an action mode where you know, controls on the controller, you know, fight, kick, punch, I know, beat up the bad guys. And then you can flip it into detective mode and do detective things to, to help solve where, where th- it's all about being at the right places at the right times to stop the criminals, you know, Mr. Freeze and all that stuff. And it's surprisingly not that bad. I would actually say of the pre Arkham games, because Arkham is like the gold standard for Batman games. pre Arkham games. This is one of the better ones. So we definitely have a case where the game is superior to the movie <laughs> that it is based on. And I just wanted to give it just a little bit of love on the show. Again, it's not a great game, but it's decent and it's better than the movie. That's a, that's a low bar to cross, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Step over that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the equivalent of just me doing a casual stroll over cracking the sidewalk. Well, Jason. you remember I worked at the movie theater, as you well know, Delvin, when, yeah. this, when this movie came out in 97. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of people ask for refunds just because they hated the movie. Like they would come out halfway through the movie and <laughs> demand refunds. <laughs> to to date, I remember going with my oldest niece and nephew to this movie, and I think my brother was there. And if it weren't for them, I would have walked out of that movie. And I never walked out of movies. I sat there even for free and watched Firestorm with you when you reunited. <laughs> and I never walked out of a movie. I wanted to walk out because let's move on, Jason. <laughs> what <laughs> ad? What ad stood out to you in this book? Let's see. I liked Frank Franzetta Fantasy Illustrated. I was looking at that. Let's get some good writers in there. Some Alan Dean Foster. There's Tony Harris. You got the Hildebrandt brothers on art in there. So, yeah, I'd be really interested in picking one of those up and taking a look. That looks really cool. Noise, noise. Pat, what ad do you have, sir? You know, like Jared said, there was a lot of video games definitely all over this ad and, and a few other ones. What really stood out to me and caught my eye was an ad for another cliffhanger series, and that's Crimson. I thought that looked really cool and just how they laid it out here. Because I'm, I'm a sucker, again, as we get into the D&D stuff. I also like Vampire the Masquerade. It was a role-playing game where you mm-hmm. will play as a vampire. I had the video game of that and really dug it. It was a really cool game. 
you know, it's kind of in my genre area that I like. So I'm, I'm really interested in what this kind of vampire kind of thing is, you know, and that may surprise Jason considering, you know, Lady Baltimore and all that stuff we've gone through. But wait, Lady Baltimore was about vampires? Well, witches, vampires, you know what I mean. There's, there's vampires, there are witches, there's everything, there are golems. Yeah. I've never yeah, actually nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> You know what? I like the Crimson one too. I'm with you, Pat. Yeah. I, have you read it? Has anybody read this? Yes. Yeah. Or done it? You did? Absolutely. I sure oh. did. Was it good? Humberto Ramos, who was the artist, I can't remember whether he wrote on it. That actually was the cliffhanger book that lasted the longest. And Humberto oh. was probably by far the least lauded artist at the time. Go figure. But it finished its run. I think it went about 24 issues. It oh, finished. Wow. As opposed to Battle Chasers, which <laughs> Joe Man's like, look, y'all, I drew like two panels of it three years ago. <laughs> Here you go. Ball of ass content. That's a, pho- that's a photocopy of page three. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> I, I always liked Alberto Ramos's work, though. I thought he was really good. Yeah, the art him. looks awesome on this two-page splash, you know, for this mm-hmm. whole thing. It, it caught my eye, and then... I'm really interested in in this one and finding out more too. So I, you know, this is a big eye opener for me on some of this stuff that's you know from 1998. Really cool. It's a shame I don't remember a dang thing about the series, and it's sitting there in one of my comic book tombs right in the other room. So if you're ever up here, Pat, we can get through a a dragon. Yeah. Excuse me, uh, we get to a heroes con without uh, the COVID destroying everything. Then maybe you can sit down and here. read it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. More than welcome to it. You stole mine. I figured that was going to be like a little cool one I could get through. And uh-huh. This is this is the hazard of being the host, Pat. You have mm-hmm. to go last and every, when people steal your crap. I do not like it, but that's OK. I can pivot and I can pivot to the Cartoon Network ad that was The Dark Knight is now on Cartoon Network. Batman, the animated series. I love that just simple silhouette and then just like right in the middle of the chest just says Yabba Dabba Doom. That's cool. That was a very well done job. And Lord, I wish, I mean, I still watch Cartoon Network, so I wish that Batman yeah. the Animated Series was still on. I mean, yeah, exactly. it would, yeah, people would watch the heck out of it in my humble opinion. What's up, Jason? I was going to ask, go kind of meshing up the Batman Animated Series and the video games. One of the video games I enjoyed playing, and I'm wondering what Jared's opinion of it was, was the Batman, I think it was Rise of Sun Tzu or Sun Tzu. Mm, or early like PlayStation 2 game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I like that one. Not bad, not a bad little beat-em-up. I ended up uh, playing that with Double Knives mutual friend Joey C while he was in Squadron Officer School at my place in Montgomery. And uh, yeah, it was not too bad. Noise. Yeah. Let me let me add one more fun thing here. Let me mesh two things together that we just talked about so what do you call eight grandmas and a vampire on a bench sitting together on a bench eight grandmas and a vampire sitting together on a bench v8 no but close maybe not close but anybody nobody great grandmas nope yeah you call it nana 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 batman Thank you. I'm here all night. <laughs> I'll give it up for the sheer stupidity of that joke and your willingness to carry it all the way through. You sure you don't want to change it to V8? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Ugh. Do you have a comment on this? And, and by this, I meant the segment, not Pat's joke. Let us know. Email us at contact.longboxcrusade.com or comment on Longbox Crusade Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page. I want to challenge everybody out there to call us at our voicemail, 707-532-5269, 707-532-LBOX. Go ahead, fellas. Pick up the phone. I challenge you guys, our listeners, call the voicemail, 707-532-5269, and leave us your best Batman joke. See if you can, <laughs> if you can top that. I want Batman joke voicemails. I want them raining in, and we'll feature them on a future episode. I mean, nothing's going to beat na 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 Come on. I, I mean, grandmas. Could, we'll see. How could it possibly, Pat? Woo-hoo. Yeah. So we're going to continue on with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? April 1998. Got it. All right. Starting us off on April 5th, the Arizona Diamondbacks record their first win in team history with a 3 to 2 victory over the San Francisco Giants in Phoenix, Arizona. And second worst start ever of 0 and 5 by an expansion team. Then on April 18th, the NFL draft, Tennessee quarterback Peyton Manning, first pick by Indianapolis Colts. Good choice, I think. think oh yeah. Worked out okay. They did. Yeah. And on April 22nd, Disney's Animal Kingdom opened at Walt Disney World near Orlando, Florida. Animal Kingdom. Scary. And also on April 22nd, the 33rd Academy of Country Music Awards, Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood, and George Strait all come through with a win. I have no idea what songs, but I'm sure that someone knows them somewhere. Anyways, we're going to move on to the top three movies for April 1998, and Pat will start us off. Coming in at number three was Sliding Doors. That's a drama? I see it? I I worked in the theater in this time frame, and I've never even heard of it. (laughs) Wow. I do know mine. Number two was... Lost in Space. That wasn't a bad movie. I didn't mind that one. I, to this day, have yeah. not seen it. I liked I got, it. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. It had How the heck have we got, got two movies in a row Jared hadn't seen? And let's make Seems it weird. Because uh, <laughs> the number one movie is <laughs> City of Angels. Anybody got a refresher for me on that? Because I. Is it the Nicolas Cage movie? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, right. To me, where they had City of Angels. That was the one the Google Doll song came. Yes. Oh, that one. Okay, I did see that. Yeah, I saw City of Angels. Then, yeah, I remember that. Um, Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) I kind of like that song because I don't want the world to see me. How is that song not in the top three songs? Understand. Probably later on in the month. Made to be broken. I just, I just want, want you, you know. to know who I am. That, that was the Brothers Albrecht solo. <laughs> that you guys are just treated to. <laughs> We're going to move on to the top three songs according to Billboard at this time. 
I'll start. Number three was Nice and Slow by Usher. I only know Nice and Smooth. Nice and Smooth is fucking also hip-hop junkies. But that's not the song. No, if I had a better singing voice right now, I would sing it. But it was a very popular song. It's smooth, I think. It's got that vibe where you want to skip with your lady. Ain't got a rush. I just want to take it nice and slow. Nope, not ringing a bell. You know me in 1998. Was I listening to anything? You surprise me now. Like, I mean, every now and again, the song will pop up. You're like, yeah, I know this one. I'm like, who the (laughs) What's this? <laughs> it's because I found the CD of the yard sale 15 years later. <laughs> right, it's all lazy. I hate it all. <laughs> well, coming in at number two is Frozen by Madonna. Jared, I know you know this song, right? You were roommates with Travis Peterson. <laughs> How do you not know this song? Uh, I bet if I heard it, I'd know it. Anybody got got lyrics on this for me? You want to see what your eyes want to see. I can't. That was the start of it. it. I'm with you. See? See? Yep. And then she's like, I think I'll freeze another day. That, that's that's not it. That's, oh. It's not my time to go. Take Advise this. All right. It's my turn. And I'm going to need some help with this one, fellas. Because number one was... All My Life by Casey and Jojo. Oh, yeah. I got I got you on this one. Get this was my jam. All right. Hook it up. All my life, I pray for someone like you. And I think that I, that I finally found you. Casey and Jojo. Oh, man. All right. Those guys can sing. I, I am... He's correct. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing really to add to that. He is absolutely correct. Half of the group called Jodeci, but they couldn't mm-hmm. do Jodeci anymore because Jodeci went bankrupt. <laughs> oh, see, so they str- oh, yeah. They ran up the tab on that name Jodeci, and it ran out of mm-hmm. money, and they wanted to keep coming out with music, so they just came out with Casey mm-hmm. and Jojo. I love, I love the song. They did a cover of Lately, the Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder song on... Mm-hmm. And like I said, those guys can sing and just, they did a perfect cover of that song lately. Pat with the knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no even joke behind it. I, even though I, the, well, the I love me some boy that, bands, you know, I love the, me some boy bands. The only joke is that Jason has no idea what the hell you're talking about. The and that's somewhat funny. Oh, man. But, I was impressed that he hit the KC and Jojo. I thought he was going to be like, KC and Jojo. Yo yo, is it Spanish? I don't know. <laughs> Soft J. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this part in the show. Got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at longboxcrusade.com. We will be right back. Greetings, guys and ghouls. I'm the invisible Dan Cologne, and this is the Monsters That Made Us. Join Monster Mike Manzi and I on the last Friday of every month as we celebrate all of the spooktacular characters and films in the Universal Studios classic monster series. From the Phantom of the Opera to The Creature Walks Among Us, we sink our teeth into all the gory details as we dissect the films that gave us some of the most iconic movie monsters of all time. The Monsters That Made Us is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more information, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. 
Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We're thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They get early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh, Elburn Elvis. Blasted or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. And his sidekick, Clinton Robinson. And they're getting away with Dave Collins in the old battle wagon. Being chased by Gary Viola. <laughs> they're back monetarily by Gerald Green. And they're really liked by this guy who thinks they're really Jason Keene. They're always taking the wind, even though they're supported by Jeremy L. And as they roll around in that battle wagon, they listen to... Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman, too. Person who provided those beats, obviously, Joe Thomas. <laughs> I would I, you can tell on this bit. That's elementary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and of course, Dellen, that's elementary as well with John Watson. And John Watson's no chicken and neither is Jose Pollo. I find him to be a bit of a slacker, but yeah, that's just Josh Strickland. Would you believe... Extremely smart, Maxwell Traver. Their hero theme music is provided by Michael Wagner. I mean, Wagner. Well, we're back in the win column with Miranda W. Can't have a win without an MVP, and ours is captivating Kathy Bright. Looks like they escaped this caper and went down under with Paul Hicks. But they were still followed by the PD of PD Devins. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we present this little act to you. Rick from Jeff and Rick present uh, present their support to us. And while we reminisce on that, let's all pour a class of Captain Rob Morgan. I, I was incorrect. They did not escape down under. They they went north to Canada to the Canadian daredevil himself, Ross Show. And if you're going to go north, you might as well go all the time. In fact, you might want to just go Ryan Daly. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> And this is a, this is one of our Maney supporters, Samantha Maney. Something, something clever, Sean Urbanski. <laughs> <laughs> Spidey 67. Steve Cronin, the barbarian. Did you get your money's worth, Tim Price? I've stopped playing along Tony Pennington. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly they were all caught and rounded up by the Toronto cop. All right, if we miss you on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance, release, so you'd think our jokes would be better, but they're not. <laughs> but if you're a recent addition, we can add you soon. If there's any problems, you can email contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. And as a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by going to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. Starts out as as little as a dollar a month. You get a little extra shenanigans. And who couldn't use more shenanigans in their life. I tell you what, if you don't have any extra scraps laying around, but you want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, how about you write a review for us on Apple podcasts? Uh, That'll help uh, raise the profile of the show. And um, heck, we might even read your review. And with that, let's get into our social media likes, shares, and retweets from Longbox crusade episode 30, which featured detective comics number 610 from January of 1990 got a, a a fair amount of like shares and retweets and we always appreciate that so let's get to it delvin people love their knowing break vogel jared true that's right 
We'll start with Aaron Head Moss. Absolute Artworks. Our good friend, Alan J. Porter. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Callum Naur. Chris Leiden. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Christopher Ullier. Clint Castleberry. Clinton Robinson. Comic Reflection. Hmm. Hmm. Comic Reviews by Walt. Comics Watcher. The Incredible Craig Zablo. It's Miller time. Dave Miller. Dave's Comic Heroes blog. David Biondi. Dennis Raymond. Doc Strange. Dominic Brazda. Dr. Bob's Kitchen. Fan Film Friday's podcast. <laughs> Felroy Filson. Frank Roberts. Gene Hendricks. Glenn Mr. Peterman. Hicks. JDB. Jimmy Davis. John from Married with Cartoons. Josh Cruz. Justin Steiner. Kirk Spencer. Laurel Moltenflower One. Logan Set. Longbox of Darkness. Farewell, Don. Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. Max Traver. Maz. MB. Mike Garvey. N. Pelotachuk. Nathaniel Gomez. Philip O. Oh. oh. Oh, you guys get out. PLB Comics. Radio versus the Martians. Rick Heineken. Saul Lerman. Sean Whelan. Secret Wars and beyond. St. Paul Filmcast. The Zen of Comics. Hmm. Yes, very peaceful. Tim Price. The Pod Crasher. Tony Pennington. Our friends from Trekker Talk. Bernard Jeffries. Whack. That's it. It's whack. Xavier Ramirez. Man, no unpacking power power packing had a sweet beat all set up. Uh, <laughs> they missed it. They missed it. <laughs> all right, let's get into the comments. And Jason, keep it flowing. Uh, I'm gonna grab this one here from Wack. Uh, he says that nobody has ever drawn Batman that sets the mood for me more than Bray Fogel. He is my mental Batman picture. And I picked this one because I could not agree more. Mm, yes, I will quote a Minister of Defense from the James Bond movie series when I say, hmm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will take Paul Hicks, who says, hearing that promo again moved me to tears. And I think we all know what promo he's talking about. Oh, no, I forgot. What? what? What promo was we'll that? We'll tell you all, <laughs> all about the Silver Age. <laughs> Do they know it's J.L. Read the books. <laughs> and continuing on that was none other than our own DJ Christatos, who says, what Jared just said, we'll tell them yeah. all, all about the Silver Age. Paul? Hicks, we are happy to bring back fond memories for you all day, every day. That's what we do here at Longbox Crusade. Pat, finish us off. All right. Well, I'll finish us off with a newcomer here to the comment section, Josh Cruz. And he says, I don't really do podcasts, but mm. when I do, I got to support the love of Norm Fogel. Absolutely legend in my book and gone far too soon. Heard emoji. Mm-hmm. Amen. Fair enough. 
And if you want to be part of the show, you can leave comments like that, or you can always use that voicemail I told you about, 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-L-BOX. Pick up the phone! Funny every time. All right, everybody. Thanks to everyone for those likes, shares, follows, comments, and those voicemails that are coming in. I know we're going to get Batman jokes. I know we're going to get Batman jokes. Come on, Batman jokes. I hope so. I hope so. so. Let's see if you can outdo me. No, 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 no. We're going to get 12 from Christados alone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's uh, 707-532-5269. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that is the show. Be sure to check us out on the website, longboxcrusade.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank my friends, Jared, Jason, and Pat for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can check out my art at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. Pat. Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us for our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. Just as another plug, since I'm the one hosting, every second Tuesday of the month, 7 p.m. Central, we also do come out to play a New Warriors podcast. So please listen to that as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Longbox Crusade. Got a comment or questions? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to The intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. The Tim uh, words or less works fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot that new rule. That was fun. Oh, okay. Like 10 words or less, motherfucker. No, like any anything else, you cut off. Putting you on mute. Don't we'll f- around in this new long boss can say arf, arf. I can't. I don't have it. I got you. Thank you. Put your bits in a box. Step one. Get
in a hole in a box. Put your bits in that box. <laughs> Make her open the box. And that's the way you do it. I don't know where we are, but I'll go back on you. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I had asked Pat. I had asked Pat about his crusade in less than ten words, and he gave seven hundred fifteen before we broke up. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> right. That's it. Can you hear me? Yeah, Delvin's out again. It's gonna be a four-hour recording session tonight. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you? And even though I'm hosting, take me away. I don't mind. But you gotta promise me I'll be back in time. I gotta be back in time. Okay. (laughs) We made it. We did it. We made it.